Daniel chapter 10 gives us a fascinating glimpse into the realm of spiritual conflict. While Daniel was praying and fasting for 21 days, something was happening that was unseen to the naked eye. God immediately heard Daniel's prayer and dispatched a heavenly messenger to deliver the answer. However, somewhere between heaven and earth, a demon called the Prince of Persia stood against the heavenly messenger. The battle between them lasted for three full weeks. Daniel might have been tempted to give up praying. Where are you, God? Are you listening to my prayer? But he continued praying until the answer came. Some answers to prayer come immediately. Others take time. Breakthrough prayer requires the kind of persistence we see Daniel practicing in his prayer life. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. The prophet Daniel recorded four visions in the Old Testament book that bears his name. Today, we'll explore number four. Hello and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for stopping by. So let me ask you, do you believe in the devil and his demons? Many people don't, but Jesus did. So did the prophet Daniel. Today, Ron takes us to Daniel chapter 10 to share Daniel's vision about a war in the spiritual realm. Stay with us now or stop by the newly designed somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And now from his teaching series, Mysteries of Babylon, how the prophecies of Daniel prepare us for the return of Jesus Christ. Let's join Ron for today's Something Good Radio message, Warfare in the Heavenly Realms. Frank Peretti became a best-selling author and a household name in uh, the 1980s when he published a Christian novel titled This Present Darkness, and he followed with an equally successful sequel uh, titled Piercing the Darkness. You may remember, if you read those books, that Peretti had an unusual skill in uh, the use of fiction, and he used it to give us a glimpse into the powerful forces of evil that plot and scheme to bring about destruction in the world today. He personified evil, exploding the idea that the devil and his demons are nothing more than a lingering myth from the medieval era. His novels were based on words found in two places in the Bible at least, Ephesians chapter 6 and Daniel chapter 10. Now, those two places point us to an invisible war happening all around us. Now, today it's not popular to believe in the devil. Uh, it's not considered intellectual to believe in the devil and his demons. However, even, even an intellectual giant like Antonin Scalia, the former justice of the Supreme Court, believed in the devil. Scalia was a devout Catholic. And he was an intellectual's intellectual. I mean, smart people bowed to Scalia's intellect. They may not have been on his side of the argument, but they could not uh, argue with um, the power of the man's mind. And he always defended his faith against intellectual elitism. You know, those people who said, oh, you believe in devils, come on, you got to be kidding me. 
His sons have put together a, a posthumous book of his speeches and some of his writings. It's called On Faith. I've been working my way through it. His son, Reverend Paul Scalia, a Catholic priest, writes the introduction, and he says this about his dad's faith. Indeed, he delighted in coming to the defense of those believers the Washington Post once called largely poor, uneducated, and easy to command. His famous not to the wise speech was one such example, as was his mischievous baiting of an incredulous New York Magazine reporter with talk about Satan. I even believe in the devil, Scalia said. Of course. Yeah, he's a real person. Hey, come on. That's standard Catholic doctrine. Every Catholic believes that. If you are a faithful person to the Catholic dogma, that is certainly a large part of it. And I agree with Scalia. I, I, I believe in the devil and his demons. Even Jesus believed and spoke a lot about uh, the devil and the uh, diabolical work in the underworld. It's not just standard dogma for Catholics, it's standard doctrine for Protestants as well. I want us to keep all of this in mind as we turn, return to our study of the book of Daniel and to Daniel chapter 10. I've titled today's message, War in the Heavenly Realms, because chapter 10 gives us a fascinating glimpse behind the scenes into spiritual conflict happening in places unseen to the naked eye. It begins with Daniel receiving a terrifying vision about a great conflict while praying and fasting. This is the fourth of four visions that Daniel receives. Remember, chapters 7 through 12 uh, happened during the chronological time frame of chapters 1 to 6, and we looked at the vision in chapter 7, chapter 8. Uh, last time, chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, that, that compact prophecy from Daniel's time all the way to the end of the age, he receives one more vision during his lifetime that is recorded for us in the book of Daniel. It takes three chapters, 10, 11, and 12, to unpack the details of it. And in chapter 10, we get a glimpse behind the curtain, as it will, as um, there's a conflict going on in the heavenly realms that delays the arrival of Daniel's answer to prayer and his understanding of this next vision. It begins with Daniel receiving this terrifying vision about a great conflict that would take place with his people, the Hebrew people, the nation of Israel, uh, from Daniel's time all the way to the end of the age. Let's start in verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel who was named Belshazzar, and the message was true and one of great conflict, but he understood the message and had an understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. Now, this fourth vision came to Daniel in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. We can put a date on that, 536 B.C. It was a vision about future war and conflict for his people Israel. Daniel was in his 80s by now. He had a strong mind, but um, this prophecy disturbed his heart greatly. 
and we'll see that unfold as time goes on. Um, Daniel uh, found himself in a time of prayer. He was praying and fasting for 21 days. Uh, have you ever heard of the Daniel fast? Maybe some of you have practiced the Daniel fast. Well, it comes from Daniel chapter 10, where Daniel says uh, he was mourning for three weeks. He ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered his mouth, nor did he anoint himself at all for the full of three weeks. He didn't bathe. He didn't eat certain foods. He did that to uh, give himself to fervent prayer and frequent prayer during that time. Daniel and his friends also chose not to eat the king's delicacies when they appear as youths in chapter 1. So we know this was a common spiritual practice of Daniel's, to pray and to fast. The question is, why was Daniel praying at this time? And some people speculate that the reason he was in fervent prayer was that he had heard that some of his people who had returned to Jerusalem were having a hard time. You see, it was toward the end of the 70 years that the Hebrews had been in captivity. The Lord sent them into time out, we might say. He disciplined them because they ignored 490 years of, of the Sabbath laws. And so the Lord recaptured by a multiple of seven every one of those years, sent the Israelites into first Babylonian captivity. That spilled over into Medo-Persian captivity. It's near the end of that time. And, and, and Daniel knows from the prophecies of Jeremiah that it would only last for 70 years. Now the time has come for the Israelites who are free from the captivity to go back to Jerusalem. You would think everybody would go. But Ezra chapter 2 tells us that not that many went, fewer than 50,000 of them. And perhaps Daniel was in prayer on behalf of his people because such a small number returned to Jerusalem. Those that did return to rebuild the temple faced great opposition. And you can read about that in Ezra chapter 4. But most of the Israelites remained in the pagan culture to which they had grown accustomed during their captivity. And that in and of itself is a lesson for us. It's a reminder of just how easy it is to slouch toward depravity and become friends with it and how difficult it is to be in the world but not of the world. After nearly two generations, now they were sort of comfortable in the Babylonian and now Medo-Persian pagan cultures. Oh, why do we need to go back to Jerusalem? We got everything we need right here. And only a handful went back to rebuild the temple, later under Nehemiah to rebuild uh, the walls of Jerusalem. They had grown comfortable in their, their pagan environment. Pick it up in verse 4. Daniel says, on the 24th day of the first month, I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris. I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. Quite a description there. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance 
was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength, said Daniel. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. Daniel is praying and fasting for three weeks, and he finds himself caught up in a vision, and there he is at the Tigris River, and he sees this heavenly messenger come. And there's all kinds of speculation as to who this heavenly messenger is. By the description there, some people are led to believe that this is um, a, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. You, you look at the description, and it sounds vaguely familiar to John the Apostle's description of the exalted Jesus in Revelation chapter 1. Are you with me there? You ever read that description of Jesus, you know? Uh, it, it's... it's, it's it's not the Jesus of Nazareth, we would say. It's, it's the exalted Jesus. And it sounds very much like that. But as you read on further in the story, what you learn is that this heavenly messenger was sent by God with the answer to Daniel's prayer, but he got caught up in a conflict in the heavenly realms, those unseen spiritual realities. And he was fighting a battle with someone known as the prince of the kingdom of Persia, a demonic entity. And he needed help. And Michael the archangel comes. I know this sounds, you know, fanciful, but, but this is what the Scripture tells us. Michael the archangel came and helped this heavenly messenger um, in the conflict. That, that's where I, I depart from those who believe this is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ because I say, well, uh, Jesus doesn't need Michael or anybody else to help him fight his battles, right? Don't go away. We're only about halfway through today's message with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's teaching is part of Ron's series, Mysteries of Babylon, how the prophecies of Daniel prepare us for the return of Jesus Christ. Visit our updated website, somethinggoodradio.org, for more information on this series or to hear any of Ron's daily messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, click on the TV tab at the top of the homepage and check out Something Good Television. SGTV is a weekly broadcast featuring the ministry of Dr. Ron Jones. And if you're looking for Bible teaching for everyday life, Something Good Television is the place to go. Stop by each week for new episodes at somethinggoodradio.org. As Daniel was fasting and praying, he was caught up in a vision in which a heavenly message appeared to him. Just who was this mystery guest? Find out next in the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, Warfare in the Heavenly Realms. Once again, here's Dr. Ron Jones. Whether it's a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus or uh, another heavenly messenger, let's say Gabriel, there's an argument for this being Gabriel because some of the dialogue that this heavenly messenger has with Daniel on the Tigris River sounds a little bit like Gabriel's conversation with Daniel in chapters 9, maybe chapter 8, because he calls him beloved and uh, a man so loved of God. There's only two people in the Bible who are called beloved. Both of them, Daniel and the Apostle John, wrote significant sections of Scripture related to Bible prophecy. I, I just find that kind of interesting. But it really doesn't matter, you know, necessarily who this heavenly messenger is. But what happens to this heavenly messenger is, is, is what is so fascinating. We go from a terrifying vision about a great conflict to this encounter with a heavenly messenger 
And as we read on a little bit further, uh, we learn about conflict between angels and demons. Let's pick it up in verse 10. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling, and he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day, listen to this, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. What a, an encouragement to know that heaven hears our prayers, that God is a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God. Now, it took 21 days for the answer to come. He says, uh, your words have been heard and I have come because of your words. Why did it take so long? Verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. By the way, another argument for this being Gabriel is that in the Bible, Gabriel is the one who brings announcements, who brings messages. Michael is the one who fights and gets engaged in conflict. So it might be that Gabriel was dispatched with this vision, with this message about great conflict that would come to the people of Israel from Daniel's time all the way to the end of the age. And what I want you to notice here is that the devil and his demons didn't want that message to get through. Make no mistake about it, friends. The devil wants us ignorant of God's Word, and he'll do anything to get between you and me and this book we call the Bible. We could theorize that had this conflict not happened in the heavenly realms, and had Michael not come, and there, there was a breakthrough in the conflict, and the, the vision came and the answer came, that we would have never had chapters 10, 11, and 12 of Daniel. And, and, and the devil always wants to get between us and the Word of God, and it takes prayer. It takes prayer, does it not, to fight uh, that kind of spiritual battle. You know, this is, a, this is an amazing picture of the spiritual realities, again, that are hidden to the naked eye. And I want to talk a little bit about spiritual warfare, about warfare in the heavenly realms. Just a short course in this. And to do this, I want us to hold our place in Daniel chapter 12 and go to Ephesians chapter 6. Probably one of the most significant passages of Scripture in the New Testament on spiritual warfare uh, is the latter part of Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, actually, throughout the entire book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul mentions the heavenly realms or the heavenly places five or six times. There's a lot that's happening in the heavenly realms. When he talks about the heavenly realms or the heavenly places, he's not talking about heaven itself. He's not talking about earth. He's talking about the in-between. He's talking about that dimension where angels and demons are operating. And they're all around us, unseen to the naked eye. Ephesians chapter 1 uh, says that God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. 
Chapter 1 and verse 20, after Christ was raised from the dead, He took a seat at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly realms. Uh, chapter 2 and verse 6, God raised us up with Christ and seated us in the same heavenly realms with Jesus. Chapter 3 and verse 10, through the church, God makes known His wisdom to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. And then you come to chapter 6 of Ephesians, and we learn that dark and evil spiritual forces do battle against God and His people in the heavenly realms. Let's go to chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, Paul says, he's concluding his letter, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Circle that word, schemes. He goes on to say, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the principalities, or the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil, here it is again, in the heavenly places. Thanks so much for being here for Ron's message, Warfare in the Heavenly Realms, and we'll pick it up right here tomorrow when Ron concludes his teaching series, Mysteries of Babylon. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I want to speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed Something Good, did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to Something Good, which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 8.28, which in the message says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. For the body of Christ to fulfill the Great Commission, it takes partnership. It always has. Today, Ron wants to invite you to join him in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ through the Something Good radio broadcast. When you partner with us, we'll send a few welcome gifts your way. To join the 828 Club today, please visit somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or call 757-276-1099. If you can't become a partner but would like to make a donation to Something Good Radio today, we'd love to send you the complete audio download of the series you're hearing now, Mysteries of Babylon, how the prophecies of Daniel prepare us for the return of Jesus Christ. Make a donation online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. If you're a brand new listener, we'd like to welcome you to the Something Good Radio family with a special gift, a free chapter about heaven from Ron's book, Mysteries of the Afterlife. 
exploring its amazing secrets. Get yours today by clicking on the I'm New button at somethinggoodradio.org. All of that to say that spiritual war is happening all around us. All around us. This, this is the testimony of Scripture. Oh, I know it's not intellectual to say that, to think that, even to say it out loud, to believe in the devil. We make one of two errors. We talk too much about him and think there's a demon under every bush, or we just blissfully go on thinking, you know, unawares of him. But the Bible the Bible encourages us to remember we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Warfare in the Heavenly Realms. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.